Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. The new year, even though it's like eight months into 2023. (laughs) I mean, a new school year always brings, well, we hope that mm -hmm. the new school year is better than the last. We always hope that. Mm -hmm. We always think that like, you know, we're learning from past mistakes or we are learning from past successes. So we hope this school mm-hmm. year does that. Last year I know was rough, but hopefully, you know, we're going to try to be on the hopeful note. I mean, we, we always start off super hopeful, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. That's why, again, I just, I keep thinking about the break that we took in July. Like we, it was just very much needed. I'm sure as all of you listeners having that break and kind of resetting, right? And getting our intentions in place for this new school year. We're really excited to talk to our guest today. He's someone that also empowers parents and grandparents. You know, oftentimes it's so quick for a man and I to say, you know, mom or dad, but there's so many other different adults in a kiddo's life, right? That are advocating for them, including foster parents, including educational right holders, grandparents, guardians of all sorts. And Dan, we're just really appreciative of your time and coming onto our podcast. Well, great. I'm, I'm happy to be here. You guys have done some wonderful work and I'm just uh, grateful to be in your presence today, ladies. Really am. Thank you so much for saying that. Dan, can you give our listeners a little bit of uh, background and then how you came to Empowering Parents? Yes. I spent 21 years in, in public education. I was a high school athletic director. And at the time when my wife and I decided we we're going to start a family, I thought I could continue to be an athletic director. Being an athletic director means you spend a lot of time at school with other people's children, right? And not your own. Right. So we have a, a beautiful son. He's four right now. His name is Ellis. Uh, Ellis was born with Down syndrome. That was something that did not concern me at all. However, what did concern me was that he unfortunately had had open heart surgery three months uh, into, yes, we knew that going in. So that was kind of the, kind of the, I would say the coming to Jesus moment that I had with my wife that, okay, Mm -hmm. we have a son with special needs. He also has some health issues. I mean, I'll just cut to the chase. He's thriving right now. His heart will never be a hundred percent fixed. He'll continue Mm -hmm. to have heart surgeries as he goes throughout his life, hopefully just a few more. But at that time, I had to look in the mirror and say, you know, I needed to be there for my son. I have mm-hmm. a wife who has mm-hmm. a successful career. Mm-hmm. So we had a really split time, you know, being, I wouldn't say split time, but we had to, I had to make a career decision where I needed to be more right. present at the house. Not yeah. only to be a supportive husband, but to be the father that my child needed. We also do have a wonderful one-year-old daughter as well. So uh, we have a, a growing family. So I left public education and found my way to leading an organization called One Chance Illinois. We're located right outside of Chicago in the suburbs. We're leading an organization that is, is focused. We call them kids with unique abilities. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to that a little bit later down the road and just kind of empowering, you know, their, the parents, right? Grandparents, foster mm-hmm. parents, and guardians mm-hmm. to choose high quality, inclusive education options that best fit their child whether that's inside the public school system or outside the public school system, we're just kind of trying to be uh, champions for all stakeholders involved. 
That's so important. I think too often families, especially I think when it's a grandparent, foster parent, Mm -hmm. you know, too often they think, I don't even know where to start. There's so much involved, you know, especially like what you went through, not only the disability, but also the health challenges, the medical challenges. That is something that many of our kiddos and families experience. And, you know, there's so much going on. There's so much you're dealing with that's at home. So then, you know, going to school, I think it's easy to be, you know, put some level of trust in the school that, you know, you're being told that this is what's right for your child. And it's hard for people to speak up, right, and go against the grain. So any chance that we can empower these families or we can provide encouragement when they don't know where to start, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, and being, you know, I sat on the other side of the table as an administrator, like, you know, delivering IEPs with the, these parents, with these grandparents, with these with uh, foster parents and whatnot. And I got to be honest with you, ladies. I mean, at, the, at that time, I never envisioned my life kind of taking this transitional turn towards mm-hmm. raising a child with a disability. So I got to be honest, I mean, I didn't really pay much attention to that community. And here I am now, you know, raising a son and just kind of, I would say, like living my best life now and giving Mm -hmm. back, trying to provide those supports for uh, other parents that may not know where to go or understand what an IEP is or understand what their rights are um, and just kind of just be there to a lot of these, a lot of times children with disabilities, they can't advocate for themselves. So it's really kind of training these parents how to become the best advocate for their child and meet their child where they're at, at that particular point. And to have those, you know, fruitful conversations with school administrators, with support staff and whatnot, because as you guys are well aware, I mean, an IEP uh, can be very, very intimidating, very challenging. And we're there to kind of lend a hand to these to these parents and grandparents and whatnot to offer them the support. And if I can't provide that support, uh, we have a growing advocacy council where I can direct them to, you know, experts in this field or other parents that may have gone through something very similar to what they're going through. Yeah. So let me ask you this. We always like to ask the people who aren't in California, where do you <laughs> see like inclusion by you going with the public school system. We have some people, some states where there's great strides or some districts where there's like a lot of movement going to be inclusive. Then there's others that we deal with where it's like the complete opposite direction. So where do you see things and are you hopeful for things improving in the future? Like what's kind of like your, your view on inclusion in the public schools right now? You know, that's, that's a great question. We lived in Chicago, right? We Our son was born when we lived in Chicago. And being a, you know, a suburban high school administrator, right? I knew Chicago wasn't what's best for our child just based on, you know, it's a large school district. They are stretched very thin when it comes to providing services. They have the mindset of inclusion, but I knew where we were going to move. I, we relocated back to the northern suburbs where I'm from here in Chicago because the schools in the northern suburbs and other suburbs surrounding Chicago have gone down the road of blended, inclusive education. Um, it not only helps that child, but it helps the rest of the class, right, become better people, learn empathy and whatnot. And just the fact that there are families that, and that I should say this too, that there are kids that that setting may not be what's best for that child, but the, the right. suburban schools that we are fortunate to be part of make every effort to get that child acclimated into that classroom. And nine times out of 10, it works. But there are times where there's the pull out method as opposed to the push in method. And so the suburbs of Chicago have really embraced that. 
But there are public schools that are still facing challenges when it comes to that. And, you know, we're working with a handful of these families that, you know, you think that you hear the words such as large suburbs of Naperville, which is outside Chicago, which has excellent school systems. But, you know, these families are running into challenges when it comes to advocating for their child and and getting what their child deserves. So it's not always the grass isn't always greener. And so we're just really pushing public schools as well as private schools, to be more inclusive in uh, their educational settings. Yeah, it's definitely something that we deal with in the private setting as well. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we don't have as many of the laws to protect. You know, we have the ADA, but I think it does for the private school setting, it becomes something that I guess could grassroots efforts of like parents and organizations to kind of educate these schools and empower them as well is important because when you don't have the laws kind of forcing you, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we see that I actually recently, someone I follow on Instagram was talking about, you know, just the lack of inclusive extracurricular activities, like summer activities in certain areas, even in California, where like you get some places where there's like all these organizations and sports groups and everything that are very inclusive, but you know, you do get a lot that aren't that if you show up and say, I want to enroll my child in this program, would they mm-hmm. have the supports? Would they allow you to bring in an aid or supports? And that is something important to note that it isn't just the public school that we have difficulties with inclusion. It it is something that we see across the board. Yeah, and we refer to that as the coalition of the willing, right? The schools that are Mm. willing to kind of adopt this mindset, this model moving forward. I mean, public schools, obviously there's laws behind it, but private schools, you know, they can pretty much do what they want to do. And we're just really trying to reach like you said, it's grassroots, right? It's finding those yep. schools that are doing it. And we have a handful of schools inside and outside of Chicago that are doing it and doing it well. And they want to include more children. I mean, there are family, like I said, we our kid goes to a public school. I'm a public school supporter, but I'm also mm-hmm. what's best for that child and family is that private schools where they want their child. And if they have, say, one or two children in private school and they have a child with a disability, they're forced to potentially split that family up, right? You've got two right. kids mm-hmm. going to a private school mm-hmm. and one going to a public school. And these private schools, they want to try to keep the families together. And so it's going to be a, an uphill effort in order to for these schools to provide some of the services. But there are laws that, you know, they can receive services from their local education authority, the LEAs. So there are ways they can bring in outside services that the public schools get into their private schools to serve that child. It may not be a one-on-one aid, but it may be, you know, a reading specialist, right? Or it may be a speech therapist. You know, the one-on-one aids are a lot of children do need that support and, and private schools. That's a pretty big expense for them. So and, and families that can afford it, you know, write the check for that one aid. And the families mm. that can't mm. are the ones we're really advocating here uh, in Illinois to, to give them those resources they need, whether that's through passing uh, state policy here, some legislation right, right. That allows that, or, you know, fundraising and trying to scholarship these families that don't have the needs in order to allow them that, those same services. It sounds like you were able to kind of build this community, right? And it's something that has, we've had a lot of different types of people come on to our podcast. Woman in particular kind of was able to come on and just forgive me, I I don't have the name off the top of my head, but, you know, she really talked to us about was to like grieve the child that she believed that she was going to have. And then you know, acknowledging the child that is in front of her and being able to kind of, you know, 
pick up her life and be on this track. And she just said it was just so monumentous for her to like have that moment and kind of like how you had said this kind of come Jesus moment where you're just like, hey, I need to make a decision, right? I need to be the parent for now that's at home that is providing all the support. And I think that that's really useful for other people to see. And I'm sure why your, you know, particular community has grown so much, (laughs) you know, because not just of your personal, you know, story, but like, just how many parents can relate to you or how many guardians are put in a position where they're like, oh, this is not what I saw for my life, but I'm here, right? Do you have kind of those moments with with some of the consumers, or I wouldn't say consumers, but some of the people that follow you along in your group? Yeah, we really try to like, you know, if I don't have those answers, like I said, like I Mm -hmm. try to listen first. I think listening is key to kind of get their story. And if I somehow my story can connect with them, then then we develop this ongoing Mm -hmm. open dialogue where we can support them and, you know, kind of just hear where they started at, like you just said with that lady. And then how life just, you know, these children, they're put in our lives for a reason. And we have to be the advocates for these children. And, and hopefully one day they can advocate for themselves. I and mean, like I said, if I don't have all of the answers, you know, we had this growing advocacy council. It's, it's growing into something national where I've been reaching into other states and meeting parents just like me that have started organizations that are advocating for a more inclusive educational option. So it's a growing uh, community. It's a community that is, is a bit, brings a very powerful voice. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you talk to a state legislator about a particular issue. It may take 10 to 15 traditional families' voices to bring a concern to a, to a legislator. But, you know, you put in front of that legislator a story or a family who has a child with unique abilities, and it's powerful, it's genuine, it's from the heart, and it's, it's really trying to provide that child with their best fit education and opportunities inside of a public school system as well as outside. So we're just uh, blessed to be doing this work And I'm just, you know, honored to be working with, uh, you know, an advocacy council that believes in our mission. If parents, since you've been to other states and have talked to a couple other parents, like if a parent or guardian or grandparent is just like kind of starting this path and they don't live in Illinois or around Chicago, where can they start? What is your like biggest piece of advice in, in trying to find a community that may have been started already? Well, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, in the, the disability, unique ability space, there's so many different, like, um, I would call them moms and dads groups, yeah. like social media, right? I think that's where a lot, uh-huh. I got to be honest, I get a lot of my best information from my wife because she's right in on social media and she connects me to mostly moms. I got to be honest. I mean, I may be one of the only yeah. dads that, that does this and I'm honored to yeah. be doing the work, yeah. but I feel like, you know, going online, there's all of these growing communities, but I always, you know, we had a family reach out to us that just moved here from the Philippines. Right. And they had oh, no wow. what early intervention was and they have a child who has right. Down syndrome. And I just connected them to the assistant superintendent in the school district that oversees special education. And on that email, I connected them with other advocates on our advocacy council and should just try to get as many people in front of them that had experienced what they're experienced, you know, just to try to get them as much support that they need at that moment. So I feel like, you know, we're, we're able to, we have resources at our disposal 
And, you know, we partnered with Special Olympics here in Illinois. We've partnered with um, Gigi's Playhouse, um, which is a Down Syndrome Achievement Center. You know, we've, we're tapping into the, the autism community. I mean, it's amazing, you know, just the networking that our organization may able to do. And it's all like meaningful, like good work at the end of the day. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just for your child. It's for all children, right? And that's the world. The world doesn't exist in special day classrooms. We are just in the world. And I I think, you know, being able, we, we see a lot of oversight, right? As special education attorneys, we can kind of be part of this organization, this organization, there's 13 eligibility categories, right? And we have a catch-all eligibility category and so many other types of kiddos, you know, kiddos going through chemo, their brains are changing, Mm -hmm. you know, we can get them services all the way to a child with genetic deletion, right? Mm -hmm. So I I know it can be overwhelming sometimes, but yeah, starting with a parent kind of led group is always beneficial. And, you know, it is God's work. It's really hard work and for you to be able to to do it. And especially in the space where, yeah, you, you see a lot of moms. That's why I said it, you know, you're so relatable. And I think it's kind of pushing the boundaries of this being the season, you know, being a supportive partner and being the supportive spouse that's able to take this time, right? Mm-hmm. To be with your son when he needs you and your daughter of Mm -hmm. one Uh, that's the same age difference as my kiddos and it's fun (laughs) yeah it's fun and she's approaching what they call the terrible twos so uh right 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 it's starting to yeah yeah, you're like <laughs> bracing yourself. I know, um, right? I hear you. I'm right there with you, um, Dad. So if people want to connect with you or one chance, like where can they go? Do you have social media? Give the people what they want, where they need to go. All right. Yeah, we have a website. It's uh, www.onechanceillinois. That's all one word, dot org. And then we have a, we're on social media or on, on Facebook. We have a, a Twitter and I know what exactly our Twitter handle is off the top of my head. It's at one chance IL. Okay. And, you, know, we're, you know, we're advocating for some policy change here in Illinois um, when it comes to a program we're trying to protect called the, the tax credit scholarship here, which provides around 9,000 families who are, um, I would say, low income families, the opportunity to find their best fit education. And we're just trying to include more kids with unique abilities in that conversation. There are a handful of kids that take advantage of this program but we need more children with unique abilities deserve to find their best school that best fits their needs. Absolutely. Well, listeners, please reach out. If you have any other questions, Dan, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your organization. And I see the picture of you and your family. And I mean, adorable kids. <laughs> they take after my wife now. Not me, Ooh, there so. you go. <laughs> All right, listeners, we will talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.